As I said in my Ohio State-Minnesota reaction video, and likewise in my Michigan-Maryland reaction video, I can feel the game in my bones, and the unstoppable force is meeting the immovable object in Ann Arbor. It is rivalry week, and the one question that I want to explore today is not who is going to win the game, but who is the better team objectively, between Michigan and Ohio State. You may think that the better team objectively is bound to win this game, and maybe, and likely, that is the case. But that's not always how college football works. Oklahoma objectively was worse than Texas, and yet they beat Texas in the Red River shootout. Alabama right now objectively is better than Texas, at least in my opinion. Yet Texas went on the road and smoked at what the time was a poverty football team by Alabama, Nick Saban, Jalen Milrow, and every one of their players' standards. And Alabama since then has improved. So comment down below before we dive deep and answer that question. Who do you think objectively is better between Michigan, and Ohio State. And before we resume this video, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I post more college football content. And so, more importantly, you can be notified when I talk about Michigan football, Ohio State football, the greatest rivalry in all of college sports. And there are going to be a plethora, an abundant overflowing amount of videos relating to the game this week. So if you want to see all of them, hit the notification bell, like this video, share this video and my channel around to other friends and family members and college football fanatics like you so that we can reach 20,000 subscribers, our channel's goal, by the end of the 2023 college football season. Lastly, Potential Power should, should, be back this week. So I'm excited to announce that. That's my power ranking system that has been over 50% in picking spreads and about 75% in picking money lines. I feature potential power rankings and picks on my Patreon along with my own personal picks for overs, unders, spreads, money lines, and just my general feeling about games. Um, so... If you want to get bonus content and also support the channel, please check out my Patreon page via the link in the pinned comment and the link in the description. I, I will also be live reviewing and reacting to the game when it is on Fox at noon Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. So be there for that YouTube live reaction and watch party. But let's get down to business. Who's better? First and foremost, both of these teams have top three strength of records, according to ESPN. Washington's number one in the country in terms of strength of record by ESPN. They're only 13th in FPI, however. And right now they're fifth in the college football playoff rankings. They're fourth in, I believe, both the AP and coaches poll. And they're sixth in game control. They're sixth in average in-game win probability. I apologize in advance. Well, correction. I don't apologize, but a fair warning to all of you, there will be a lot of 
statistics in this video. And these statistics may not even determine who is better between Michigan and Ohio State because the game is that important. And the magnitude and weight associated with determining how good these teams are from the game is so big that one of these teams could be massively better than the other, but because they're both 11-0, because they're both top four teams, they're both elite teams, a win here, unless both reach the college football playoff and the loser of the game redeems themselves, a win here basically determines who is the better team, objectively speaking. That's how it was over the past two seasons, Ohio State in 2021 and in 2022, I think objectively leading up to the game looked like anywhere from the slightly better team to perhaps the significantly better team. In 2022, there might have been an argument for Michigan to be the slightly better team, but it's beside the point. Michigan winning the game in 21 and 22 by a score of 15 and 22 points made it so that we could only view, for the most part, Michigan as the objectively better team. And that was even with Georgia and blowing out Michigan in the Orange Bowl, and Ohio State winning their bowl game, and Michigan losing to TCU in the college football playoff in 22, and Ohio State playing neck-and-neck neck with the eventual national champion, Georgia. Most people still objectively viewed Michigan as the better team compared to Ohio State. Power rankings would differ. Power rankings still had Ohio State as a better team by a solid margin. That's not exactly the case this season. As we'll see... In a few minutes, Ohio State and Michigan are neck and neck in terms of power ratings. Some have Michigan ahead. Only one metric, FPI, has Ohio State ahead of Michigan. Ohio State's the number one team in FPI. Michigan's number two. Ohio State has the second best strength of record. Michigan has the third best strength of record, again, per ESPN. Michigan is one in game control and also number one in in-game win probability. Ohio State is number two in game control and number five in average in-game win probability. Average in-game win probability is pretty simple. Game control just reflects the chance that an average top 25 team would control games from start to end the way this team did, given the schedule. So what that means, basically, is that if Georgia played Michigan's schedule or if anyone played Michigan's schedule, since Michigan's the number one team in the country per game control, no one would have controlled or dominated games in the same way that the Michigan Wolverines would have. That's according to ESPN. Ohio State's number two in game control, and right now they do have a tougher strength of schedule. They have the 45th toughest strength of schedule, and Ohio Michigan has the 59th strength of schedule. Ohio State has the number one remaining strength of schedule because they have to travel on the road, they're an underdog for the first time this season in Ann Arbor. They still are an underdog. The spread is about three and a half in favor of Michigan. It has moved down from its opening line. Michigan, even though they're at home and favored, the majority of the public, both in my subscriber base, in public bets, though it is early, and from what I'm seeing on social media and networks, is there's a feeling of optimism surrounding Ohio State, as there should be. They had the better performance in Week 12. So Michigan still has the fifth toughest remaining strength of schedule. Both of these teams, they've dominated their conference. They both beat Penn State. They both beat Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State. 
Indiana. They beat all of their other divisional opponents outside of themselves. We'll have to see who wins the game on Saturday, of course. And they beat their non-conference opponents and their cross-divisional opponents. And whoever wins the game will probably pound Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. And there's an argument that both of these teams, or not both, but one of these teams is the best team in the country. There's an argument for both of these teams to be the number one team in the country. Again, comment down below who you think is better between Michigan and Ohio State, and if you think either of them are the number one team in the country. Both are 11-0. Ohio State's one in FPI. Michigan is two. The Wolverines are given a 54.9% chance to win per FPI. Michigan's favored by three and a half points according to Vegas, and according to FPI, Michigan should be favored by about two and a half. This game will be played in the big house, and per not today's poll, I took a new poll asking who would win between Ohio State and Michigan. I want the results to get in a new poll, and then I'll have that in my actual preview and prediction video. This is just an early look at both of these teams. I released a poll on Sunday asking the audience if Michigan would win the game by two scores or more, or one score, or if Ohio State would win by two scores or more. And the results are interesting, to say the least. They're interesting. Just a week ago, the general feeling surrounding the game was that either Ohio State would win in a close matchup, or Michigan would blow Ohio State out of the water. That's at least the feeling that I got from my community poll before Week 12. Post-Week 12, the general feeling, on average, is that Ohio State will win by one score, one to eight points. That's what 37% of people answered in my poll. By the way, if you subscribe and hit the notification bell, you'll get notified or you'll see in your feed my polls where I constantly ask you to vote for who's going to win X game, who do you think the better team is, better players occasionally, though I mainly talk about teams and not players on this channel, as when you talk about the team, you touch on most of the players, not just one individual player. But maybe I'll make a Heisman video this week. We'll see, because I think Jaden Daniels should win the award. He has a better passer rating than anyone in college football history as of today, but that's for another video. We're talking about the game here. The second most popular opinion is that Michigan wins by one to eight points. The third most popular opinion is still Michigan winning by two scores. The least popular opinion is Ohio State winning by two scores, and I find that very interesting. And I don't know if this is the case. I've participated in this, and I think that it's factually correct. This Ohio State team, I think, has looked slow all season long, they start the game off, I don't know exactly how to put it, where the defense puts everything on their shoulders and the offense warms up. They're similar to an older car, or rather an older tank, a tank that's been sitting in the garage for quite some time, and you need, you need the engine to warm up for quite a while, but once it gets going, it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop a tank. I think that's Ohio State football. They're a second-half team. Their defense is consistent throughout all four quarters. The offense, it takes about a quarter or two to really warm up and get into rhythm. 
and even then there's still some hiccups there's still from there's still some thick clouds of smoke that come out of the exhaust and some coughing from the engine but Ohio State's a really good football team they're an elite football team nonetheless I think there's this notion that in these big games Ohio State is mentally clutch their physical toughness on defense is apparent offensively it's growing and I think with how Ohio State is playing this season people have a hard time seeing them dominate in these games whether it's Penn State whether it's Michigan whether it's if they beat Michigan and go to the college football playoff there and I agree with this part of me questions it but I mostly agree with it I even have a hard time seeing Ohio State win this game or other games by double digits against elite teams Penn State I thought was near elite and I picked Ohio State to beat them by double digits and then after that game and in prior performances reflecting on those and in performances after their matchup against Penn State I kind of realize that in my mind I'm still picturing this as a Ryan Day-esque team and it is a Ryan Day team but it's drastically different as we'll see when we talk about Ohio State's defense Michigan's defense and Ohio State's offense and Michigan's offense you'll see that really it's the defense by a much wider margin than you might think that is carrying this team forward and for Michigan although their defense is outer-worldly, just like Ohio State's, their vulnerabilities are different, and we'll explore those. Michigan, their offense has taken a step forward. Despite the offensive line not being what it was last season, being more of a 2021-level offensive line, Michigan has gained athleticism and speed at the perimeter positions at wide receiver. They're deeper at tight end, at running back. Donovan Edwards isn't the same, and maybe Blake Corum isn't either, but they're still elite there. McCarthy has taken steps forward, and the interior offensive line is still elite. They just have major, major questions at offensive tackle, and I think play calling has also improved on offense. So there's an interesting dynamic. I think Michigan, outside of these past two weeks, and I would say the past week, I think Michigan looked pretty good against Penn State given how they adapted and their game plan, but that's up for debate. I think before the Maryland game, Michigan looked like the more complete, thorough, dominant team than Ohio State, at least in terms of the scoreboard. I'm not talking necessarily about overall performance because Ohio State defensively plays a different scheme of defense. It's more bend but don't break, so they allow more yards. And offensively, Ohio State is more explosive. They have some more inconsistencies, but they still have a great offense. But in terms of the scoreboard, there's no doubt that Michigan has looked better than Ohio State by the box score before that Maryland game. And I would lean into a little bit, though I'm hesitant because this is the biggest game for both teams, I would also lean into the fact that I think Michigan, via the eye test and via advanced analytics, before the Maryland game looked like the much more complete team. The Maryland game threw a lot of people off. It hasn't thrown me off too much, but it has made me question some things, in the same way that Ohio State's game against Rutgers did. 
even though I predicted that Ohio State and Rutgers would be competitive. I completely missed that mark when talking about Michigan and Maryland. This is going to be a good game. This could be a candidate for game of the year. I don't know if it will exactly be close in the final scoreboard. Remember, Michigan-Ohio State last year? It was close. It was competitive. Until the fourth quarter when Michigan completely took over. And remember 2017? When Ohio State won by two scores? That was a very close game. And then John O'Corn just had to completely misread his receiver's route and throw it right into the breadbasket of an Ohio State defensive back. The game has a history of being closer than the score might indicate. Outside of 2018, 2019, and I would say 2021 as well. At the end of the third quarter, Michigan was going to, had already taken over that game. Ohio State was just trying to play catch-up. But I think more so than we remember, there were several times where in 2016 and 17, Michigan was close between Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer just had that slight edge, especially in coaching and in his roster. And last year, Ryan Day was very close to enacting revenge. But emotional mishaps, lack of physicality, and I am going to mention, and probably until the result of the game, or perhaps after, depending on the result, we'll see. Michigan did have, I confess, some advanced knowledge. And as a Michigan fan, it's painful for me to say that, but I will reiterate that I don't think that advanced knowledge makes up for 15 and 22-point losses. Knowing opponents' plays does not result in you lacking gap integrity and sending zero blitzes forward only for them to do the exact opposite of what they're intended to do. Not related there. But I just wanted to acknowledge that because if you're doing advanced sign stealing, you're doing it because there is a certain benefit to that advanced sign stealing. I'm trying not to get off on a tangent here. However, the point that I'm trying to make is both teams have been close, and there have been games where both teams have been very competitive, or in 2016, very back and forth. At one point, Michigan looks like they're going to take over and win. Another point, it looks like Ohio State's fully come back, and then Tyler Durbin misses a field goal, etc. The game, the game, the game. It's an amazing rivalry for a reason, and I and even some Ohio State fans are glad that it's back to being competitive, and especially Michigan fans are glad about the fact that it's back to being competitive and not just a sounding board for Ohio State to beef up their college football playoff resume. This is also a play-in game for the college football playoff because with how the fact that there are five undefeated college football playoff contenders, unless major chaos happens, I guarantee you the loser of the game is out of the playoff this season. I want to talk about Ohio State's offense. Then we'll talk about Michigan's offense, then Ohio State's defense, and Michigan's defense. So, starting off with Ohio State's offense. The Buckeyes are third in points per play margin. They are 16th in points per play. Points per play margin factors in more defense than straight-up points per play does. So, that should go to show you that Ohio State's defense, again, is really carrying the load of the offense, and they force punts, they force turnovers, and they get the ball back to the offense several times to allow the offense to warm itself up. 
don't believe me, watch the Penn State and Ohio State game or the Maryland-Ohio State game or the Notre Dame-Ohio State game now that we know that Notre Dame does not have an elite defense. They have elite potential and some great players. They're far from an elite defense, though, at Notre Dame. Watch those games. Ohio State's offense is slow. It is a slow-moving heavy tank with a big cannon. Think of some of the Soviet tanks going off and some of my interest in history, but whether it's the IS-2 or the IS-3 or the German Tiger tank or in the post-World War II era, some of the American patent tanks or the M1 Abrams, some of those bigger vehicles that don't have the speed of a car, a race car, but they have a big cannon and they're hard to beat up. They're hard to penetrate. That's what Ohio State is. They are a slow-moving tank, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because once they get going or if they find a vulnerability, you're toast. That's where Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson and Cade Stover come into play. Marvin Harrison Jr., it's hard to cover him. Cade Stover, hard to cover him. And when Henderson gets in space, it's a challenge to stop him. They find a way to make plays, to explode. And at other times, they're inconsistent. Very high-risk and reward offense. In the same way that if a tank misses their shot, it takes a while for them to reload, to get back up. Ohio State's offense, they don't always score touchdowns back-to-back-to-back-to-back like they have in the past two seasons. Against Penn State, they had a really good drive going down the field. And they had that against Minnesota, too. And against Penn State, they kicked a field goal. Minnesota, they scored a touchdown. And then against Minnesota, two field goals in the second quarter against a defense that is pathetic. And against Penn State, they had a few drives where Penn State completely stifled them. So the defense really does assist this offense, but I want to focus on the offense here. Yards per point margin, this is a statistic where it's similar to points per play margin, except yards per point margin is basically saying how how tough is it to score on your opponent and how tough is it for your opponent to score on you and somehow there's a margin taken from that. I'm still learning how to read yards per point margin and points per play margin. Yards per point and yards per point margin, I think, are statistics that lean more defensive, while points per play and points per play margin lean more offensive. I could be wrong on that, though. Ohio State is second in yards per point margin with a 14.2 yards per point margin. They're 22nd in offensive yards per point. They're 20th in yards per play. They average 6.3 yards per play. They convert 46.21% of their third downs, which is 19th. They have their 44th in red zone score, field goals and touchdowns, so red zone efficiency with an 86.67 percentage red zone score. And they score about 3.8 offensive touchdowns per game, which is tied for 27th. These numbers are not like the 2021 and 2022 numbers, and I think we can easily understand that and from watching film, watching the games, and even just diving deep into the box score, we can understand that. McCord does not have the same accuracy, the same arm strength, 
the same awareness and football IQ that C.J. Stroud had, nor does he have the athleticism of Stroud, nor does he have the same talent as Justin Fields or the same supporting cast that Justin Fields had. Doesn't have that. And McCord, look, I think he's a great quarterback, near elite quarterback. But whether it's against Minnesota or whether it's against Rutgers or Wisconsin, where he had an awful game against a defense that, yet again, isn't amazing, or Penn State, where he looked rough for the first half, he's been great, he's been good, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have the it factor. He doesn't have that ceiling. In my opinion, he's a better version of Cade McNamara, and that's all well and good. I think Ohio State, with the talent they have offensively and defensively, can win a national title with that quarterback, and very few schools can say that, but you do have some limitations. This offense has an elite stable of receivers and an underrated rush offense. This isn't an offense that is elite at every single position. Not like the 2022 offense if it was healthy, and not like the 2021 offense if maybe they had slightly better play on the offensive line. That's not what this offense is. This is a great near-elite offense with moments where the sun shines through, often that sun being Marvin Harrison Jr. or Travion Henderson, smiling, being the great players, the awesome players, the future NFL players, potentially Hall of Famers, and hardworking, high-IQ football players with smiles on their face. The strength of this offense is NFL athletes at running back, wide receiver, tight end, and Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. I think Ohio State still has great play callers on offense and great coaches. But the weakness, the cloudy, gloomy day, the overshadowing portion of this offense is their their offensive line, particularly at center and far more obvious and almost eyesoring is offensive tackle. They've made improvements there. They have. But regardless, that's still an area where, whether it's interior run, whether it's pass protection, Ohio State has some serious vulnerabilities along the interior of the offensive line. Overall, in pass block and interior run blocking, I think the Buckeyes have found a way to use Henderson's athletic ability to reinvigorate their stretch plays we've seen Henderson against Michigan State Minnesota and Rutgers get some big runs on stretch plays however whether it's Penn State who's a team that is more built to stop a Travion Henderson because he's a speed back and in theory they'd be more vulnerable to a Mayan Williams or Chip Trainum more power backs Penn State was able to curtail some stretch plays and they were able to stop, unless they didn't stack the box, interior run plays. And Michigan, as we'll see, has an elite run defense. So I'm curious to see how this operate, this offense operates against Michigan's defense. But speaking of Michigan, their offense is intriguing, to say the least. Because you look at Michigan offensively and scoring offense, their points per play margin is first by a mile. 0.449 points per play margin. Their points per play overall is 0.604. That's fifth nationally. They're first in yards per point margin with a 15.7 yards per point margin. And 
they're first in yards per point overall. They only need 10.4 yards to score a point, is what that tells you. Which is nuts. Basically, every time Michigan gets a first down, you get a guaranteed point on the board. It's crazy. And Michigan's yards per point margin and points per play margin, but especially yards per point margin, used to be nuts and outer-worldly before the Maryland and Penn State game. The reason for that is Michigan was holding teams out of the red zone. Defensively, and we'll see this, their red zone score percentage, their opponent red zone score percentage used to be below 60%. That's insane. Now, that was obviously unsustainable. Part of the reason Michigan has looked a little worse is not only are they without Jim Harbaugh, even though I don't think that's the main factor, I think the bigger factor is they're having a series of games where they are tested. And I think that could come to benefit them. It could also come to bite them. But they've had to face Penn State and Maryland on the road back-to-back weeks, and they know that Ohio State's coming to town, and Ohio State has fixed a lot of the matchup disadvantages they've had over the past two seasons, credit to Jim Knowles and that staff. Michigan's 21st in yards per play, averaging 6.3 yards per play. They are fourth in third down conversion percentage, converting a little over half of their third down attempts. They're 55th in red zone score percentage. That, I will tell you, is because J.J. McCarthy, whether it's against Bowling Green, whether it is against Maryland just last Saturday, or whether Michigan, I think one or two times, has failed, or maybe three in the red zone at converting fourth downs. I think maybe one or two in garbage time, but most of them have been in legitimate first, second, third quarter situations. Michigan has shown some vulnerability in not being able to punch it into the red zone, which is a recurring theme amongst Jim Harbaugh teams. However, I will say Michigan is scoring a lot more touchdowns in the red zone when they do score rather than field goals. So overall, that translates to Michigan is miles more efficient in the red zone than they ever have been because they're scoring touchdowns there. Corum, all of his 20 rushing touchdowns are inside of the 10. That's nuts. And Michigan's scoring 4.6 offensive touchdowns per game which is ninth in the country. Michigan, statistically, I will tell you, from what we see right here, except for yards per play, where they are exceptionally close, and red zone efficiency, Michigan's better in these statistics. And I'll explore in probably a live stream, but also in some other videos that I do, because I went on teamrankings.com and compiled over 100 different statistics. In over 60% of all offensive statistics that I checked out, Michigan has an edge, in some cases a significant edge over Ohio State. There's an argument to be had that Michigan is the better offense this season, which is crazy to say given that they don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. They don't have Emeka Igbuka They may not even have a running back as good as Travion Henderson. Henderson might be the best running back in the country as it stands today. He's averaging nearly seven yards per carry. And to heck with it, they may not even have Cade Stover. Cade Stover might be the best tight end in the Big Ten. But Michigan is efficient. They are. And part of it is because Michigan's defense forces more punts than Ohio State's defense technically does. Another reason is because Michigan throughout the season, not necessarily in recent memory, but taking all games into account, has had the more effective 
run game. And I still think they have the more consistent rushing attack than Ohio State, but Ohio State recently has been able to get big plays on the ground, adding to their big plays through the air, which opens up their offense a little bit. Michigan's offense features a powerful rushing attack. I know that in yards per carry, Michigan's dropped off by about a yard or more compared to last season, but it's still powerful, very effective in short yardage positions. It just lacks that explosiveness. And Michigan has an effective passing offense. People will push back on that, understandably so, and talk about Maryland or Penn State. And I'll say Michigan chose consciously not to pass against Penn State. They knew they couldn't protect McCarthy, but when McCarthy had adequate protection or when he did pass, he was 7 of 8. He made some really good throws, and he was also a good runner. McCarthy did have a bad game against Maryland, though. However, Cornelius Johnson ran some nice routes, got open a few times. McCarthy missed him. McCarthy was able to hit Colston Loveland to convert a few fourth downs. And overall, that was Michigan's worst passing performance of the season since Bowling Green. And it looked like the average Michigan passing performance of the past two seasons. The fact that Michigan's worst this season passing the ball is or was the average Michigan passing offense of the past two seasons shows the amount of improvement. People are talking about that Michigan can't pass the football now because of the game against Maryland. That's one game. Meanwhile, there were Michigan fans saying that Michigan, I I might have even been guilty of this, saying that Michigan could pass the football after Cade McNamara completed less than 50% of his passes against a Washington team with a losing record in 2021. The standard for Michigan's passing offense, both nationally and locally, has risen exponentially because of the progress they've made this season. The strengths of this offense are NFL interior trench play and fantastic flex players, running back, tight end, players that aren't relied upon typically to be explosive game-breaking wide receivers like we've seen, but players who are consistent, reliable, are more involved in the run game than wide receivers and typically quarterbacks. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, great backs. Edwards has had improvements in the previous few games, and the offensive line, we know what they present there, at least on the interior. The problem for Michigan is they have questionable pass protection, and they have a lack of explosive plays. The offensive tackle position relates to both, more so the pass protection. The explosive plays, I think, more so relates to, in part, schematics. Georgia last season was not an explosive offense, but they were very methodical and consistent. And I think Michigan has mirrored Georgia in a lot in a lot of ways, and they've added their own twist to things, some things that I like more than what Georgia does, other things that I don't like compared to what Georgia does. But offensive tackle has become a problem for Michigan, and I'm not a fan of that. That's something that Penn State tried to exploit, and they successfully did. The problem is they didn't have the offense to really capitalize off of that, and Michigan had a great advantage at the interior trench play to where they could say, hold my beer, no, we'll run on you and control T.O.P. I don't know if Ohio State will have that same issue. Speaking of which... Let's talk about the Buckeye defense. Ohio State's defense is first in points allowed per play, yards allowed per point, in yards per play allowed from opponents, 
and an average passer rating allowed. That's crazy. This defense is ruthlessly efficient. It is. Michigan, OSU, Penn State. Well, I just named the top three defenses in all of college football. Even though, even though they have faced inept offenses all season, which means a lot of these statistics are puffed up, watch the physicality, the scheme, their ability to limit the run when they consciously choose to, and how they perform against the pass. Tell me those aren't at least the top four, five, or six defenses in the country. You can't. They're at least playoff caliber in the next two out-level defenses, and at most, those are the top three defenses in the sport. And there's a very strong argument right now, given that Ohio State has a lower scoring offense than Penn State and Michigan do. There's an argument that Ohio State's defense is the best because they're having to deal with one of the more inconsistent offenses given their level of talent. I will say, though, and this is another statistic that I left off that I will explore in future videos, Ohio State's defense doesn't force a lot of turnovers. Michigan's forces a significant amount. Penn State is, I think, number one in the country in either turnover margin or forced turnovers per game. Those turnovers create often shorter fields, more opportunities to score. Michigan and Penn State, their defenses make the lives of their offense easier. Ohio State's defense doesn't exactly do anything extra to make their offense their offense's job easier. They typically get stops. Their bend but don't break is shown by the fact that they're not top 25 in opponent points per or opponent plays per game. They're 28. They allow 65.7, so about 66 plays per game, but they only allow 3.9 yards per play. 26.8 yards per point, and 0.145 points per play. They're 21st in average yards per carry allowed, averaging 3.3 yards per carry allowed. They're first in passer rating allowed, only allowing on average a 92 passer rating per game. In opponent red zone score percentage, they only allow opponents to score in the red zone 71.43% of the time, which is eighth. And they're second in punts per score from opponents. That means every single time that an Ohio State opponent scores on them, they have to punt nearly three times more to get that score. Whether that is a touchdown or a field goal, both are factored in. If you're just talking about touchdowns, that number probably goes up. The Silver Bullets play a very conservative bend-but-don't-break defense. Their strengths are interior play at an elite level and NFL depth at perimeter positions, cornerback, safety, linebacker, they have great tacklers, and depth with Cody Simon, Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg, and C.J. Hicks, who hasn't seen a lot of action this season. At defensive tackle, when they are healthy, Michael Hall Jr., Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Hiro Kanu. I've seen Ohio State lineup in bear formation. If they're healthy, that bear formation is scary. The question is, will Mike Hall be healthy for the game against Michigan? It sounds like he'll be active. I don't know if he'll be at 100%, but you can say that for a lot of players for Ohio State. That's one of the weaknesses on this defense, but really for Ohio State overall, they have constant injury issues, and they've had this for the past few seasons. I think there's some strength and conditioning inconsistencies that's helped Michigan in this rivalry game. I think objectively they have the better strength and conditioning staff. 
And also there's an inconsistent pass rush that relates directly to the defensive ends. Sawyer is great. He's made massive steps from last season. And JT Tuimolau, he's become more consistent. Here's the problem. Ohio State only gets, they only get sacks on, I think, 5% of opponent pass plays. Michigan, by comparison's 8 or 9%, so nearly they get nearly double the sacks when you adjust for the amount of the amount of plays that opponent passing offenses run. Very complex, weird way of phrasing that, but I'm doing this on the fly with the notes that I have in front of me. Anyway, that's the weakness of this defense, and I think that relates back to the very conservative bend but don't break defense. Jim Knowles and Ryan Day do not want to allow the big play. Why is that? Even if sometimes they're falling on their own sword by letting teams run the ball on them and extend drives and even out the T.O.P., consequence of them being outside of the top 20 in yards per carry allowed and plays per game allowed? Well, that's because they don't want to allow the big play, because the big play killed them, frankly, last season against Michigan. Four plays, four touchdowns of 50 yards or more. Four touchdowns of 50 yards or more. That's nuts. And against Georgia, one long touchdown to Arian Smith, a medium touchdown to A.D. Mitchell, and a long run, I believe, by Kendall Milton or Kenny McIntosh or one of their running backs. Big plays gouged what was a very aggressive defense this this past season. And Ohio State's almost swung the pendulum back in the other extreme. I've seen them be aggressive at times, and in watching Penn State, because Penn State's the next best team that Ohio State's going to play this season in the regular season outside of Michigan, when Ohio State went blitz-heavy, there were a few times where if Aller just had an accurate arm, first down, like easy first down, often to Keandre Lambert-Smith, that's why Ohio State doesn't want to bring pressure, not because their secondary players aren't good, they're elite. I think Ohio State or Georgia is the best secondary in the country. But when you bring pressure and you don't have a Chase Young, you don't have the Bosa brothers, you don't have an Aiden Hutchinson, you don't you don't have really a consistent elite pass rusher, when you send eight guys forward, you won't get immediate pressure, and that's just leaving receivers on an island. So why not throw it up? The inconsistent pass rush along with reacting to last season's woes, is what has created a very conservative defense that I think is a genius strategy. It, it is, but there will probably need to be adaptation in the game because Michigan's the most dynamic offense by a mile that Ohio State's played all season long. Michigan's defense, then we'll get out of here. It's been a very long video, but I love it. They're second in opponent points per play allowed, allowing 0.155 points per play. They're second in opponent yards per point, allowing 26.2 yards per point. They're fourth in yards per play, allowing 4.1 yards per play. They're first in plays per game. Michigan's defense gets off the field very quickly. The reason they're lower than Ohio State in points per play, yards per point, and yards per play defensively, yet Michigan has the better scoring defense, and they're better in punts per score and plays per game, is because they can get pressure. Michigan's defense is more aggressive. They have better pass rushers. I think they have the better defensive line. 
they're they have an easier time winning the line of scrimmage up front. Consequentially, they will get bigger plays defensively, but they also give up bigger plays defensively. I think as a consequence of that willingness to be aggressive and the fact that I think Ohio State is just deeper and better, uh, particularly at safety, and they're pretty even Steven at corner. I think Ohio State, when you take out pass rush, has the better pass defense. If you factor in pass rush, then I think there's a good argument for Michigan or Ohio State to have the better pass defense. So there's some big plays that Michigan allows. That's that's their lone weakness. I can't really point to a single position group that's a weakness for Michigan outside of maybe safety. But the sample size is small, and Michigan at safety has been getting healthier recently. That's the reason why I listed running back as a strength for Ohio State. I wouldn't have in the middle of this season. But Henderson's back. He looks elite. And Chip Trainum, I still think, is a good player. And Dallin Hayden is in the reserves. Same with Evan Pryor. So they have a deep running back room. Things change over time. We have to factor in previous games because a team won't necessarily be who they were at the beginning of the season, but they will still have traces of that team. So it's important to factor everything in, but also look in the past few games, past few weeks, etc. Michigan is 8th in yards per carry allowed. They only allow 3 yards per carry. They're 2nd in average passer rating allowed, allowing a 98 passer rating flat. They're 18th in opponent red zone score percentage. They only allow opponents to score in the red zone 75% of the time, and they're 1st nationally. These aren't Big Ten ranks, by the way. These are national, but I think you knew that, in punts per score. Michigan's defense, if you want to make a comparison to Ohio State, Michigan's defense is better at getting off of the field. Ohio State's defense, I think, is more trained to pick a fight when it matters most because Ohio State's defense is used to being on the field longer and they practically produce the same results outside of run defense. So take from that what you will. I'm not trying to necessarily say outright that one team is better than the other. I'm trying to give you some information and let you decide while also sprinkling in my opinion, obviously. That's what I take away. I have been more impressed with Ohio State's defense than I have Michigan's. That doesn't mean that I think Ohio State has the better defense outright, but factoring in my preseason expectations where I thought that Michigan, despite Ohio State having a near elite elite defense, which I thought they would in the preseason based off of returning production and adaptation. That's one of the one of my predictions I was right on. I still thought Michigan would have a significant edge at defense. They don't. Michigan might have the better defense. It's not a significant edge. It's not obvious, at least to at least at this point in the 2023 season. What Michigan's better at is getting pressure and getting opponents off the field so their offense can score. That's what Michigan's better at. Michigan also has the better rush defense. Ohio State's defense is better at not giving up the big play. They're better at pass defense all around, not factoring in pass rush, but exclusively looking at secondary. And I think that Ohio State's defense is probably trained to have more stamina, at least potentially. Again, all these things could be proven wrong with the game. I will say to counter that point, though, I think Michigan has better depth due to the fact that they're healthier, they returned more production. And look at defensive tackle, for example. Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Rashawn Benny, and Kenneth Grant. And Kenneth Grant, 
over 300 pounds and yet chase down Catron Allen. Michigan has the better defensive tackle room. They have the better defensive end room. I would say that linebacker is pretty close and secondary is pretty close, but straight up Michigan, I think, has an, a pretty clear edge at defensive line, not in exactly the same way Ohio State does at wide receiver because they're just that good at wide receiver, but it's a clear advantage nonetheless. Michigan has NFL depth at every position and they have sound adaptability. They can change. They were they were forced to change their game plan against Penn State because Penn State was gouging them in the run at times, and against Maryland they they were they started doing stunts late in the second half and it worked beautifully. Michigan, while Ohio State has the advantage I think of having better stamina because they're often on the field longer defensively, Michigan has been forced to adapt a few times on defense. I don't think Ohio State's defense, just because how conservative they've been, and they've been willing to give up yards no matter what, and then they're just so good and so deep that you can't get them in the red zone, I don't think Ohio State's defense has had to change much. And I think that they're going to have to adapt probably for the first time all season in a big way against Michigan on Saturday. But with Michigan's defense, they might have to stay on the field and give up some bigger plays than what they're used to. So the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes both have elite defenses, both have offenses that in recent weeks have a lot to be desired from, for Michigan in comparison to how fluid and efficient they looked early in the season, minus Bowling Green. For Ohio State, they've been this way all year, and they're settling into their identity which is why they've looked more efficient offensively in the second half of the season. Granted, they've also played some easier and worse defenses in the second half of the season, but there's still a lot to be desired from a unit that has Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, and five stars everywhere, including at quarterback, and yet you're only up 13 to nothing over Minnesota at halftime. Michigan State is able to move you with the line of scrimmage, but Henderson is able to compensate with his speed, and five-star quarterback throws multiple picks against Wisconsin and is inconsistent against Rutgers. And for Michigan, McCarthy hasn't been a game-breaker in the past two games. He, he was good against Penn State, but he wasn't used much. Against Maryland, he, he just cannot look that way if Michigan wants to beat Ohio State. So who do you think is the better team between Michigan and Ohio State? Let me know down in the comment section below. Thank you to all of you for watching this video, and thanks to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for sponsoring this video as Heisman-level patrons for the month of November. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Snowy DLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being All-Conference patrons. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.